You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. born again. Uh, The word literally means born from above. You're born from above. God now sends his Holy Spirit and he sends his Holy Spirit. He changes your heart. He changes your heart. And now the Holy Spirit lives in you. And because your heart is changed, now you desire to live a righteous life. You want to live in a way that's pleasing to God. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, a miracle happens in your heart. You've been born again from above. Once your heart is awakened to the love of Christ, you desire to sin no more. Your very nature has been changed, and the Holy Spirit now lives in you. However, as Pastor Danny shares in today's study, this doesn't mean that you'll never sin again. You'll face temptation and occasionally give in. But you desire to lead a righteous life for the Lord. If after hearing today's message, you realize that you have sin in your heart, come before the Lord and repent. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Romans chapter six, as he begins his message, Rationale for Righteous Living. chapter 6, to bring us up to speed, go back with me to chapter 3, because Paul the Apostle is the human agent that the Spirit of God is using to write the book of Romans. He starts out, and he basically is God's prosecuting attorney, and he declares the whole world, Jew and Gentile, guilty of sin. And then he tells us the way to deal with the sin. And sometimes we want to just do good and get God to, you know, forgive us for our sins and do good, and that'll get us to heaven. And he tells us that's not going to work. The Ten Commandments, nothing wrong with them. Problem is we can't keep them. And so he told us in chapter 3, verse 21, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. In other words, God revealed it even in the Old Testament. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. By grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a what? Gift, for those of you who know that, gift of God. And then just before we got into chapter 6, chapter 5, verse 20, the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. In other words, the law shows us how bad we really are. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. 
All that means is it doesn't matter how much of God's law you've broken, for how long, it doesn't matter how bad you've been. There's grace and there's mercy through Jesus. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want to go back to one question, the the opening question in chapter 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? That's an excellent question. Since we're saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves, do we just go ahead and live the way we want to live? Because it's a gift anyway. Believe it or not, years ago there was a, a Russian monk named Rasputin. Rasputin took verses in Romans, and Rasputin began to teach that those who sin more require more forgiveness. As a result, and that's true, those who sin more require more forgiveness, but as they repent, they also experience more joy because they sin greater, and so they'll have greater joy. And so what Rasputin began to teach is you ought to sin with abandon so that the grace of God might increase. And I see some of you, some of you looking at your spouse or some people like other services, you're going, I can't believe he would teach something like that. But wait a minute, don't raise your hand, but have you ever heard anybody say, because I have heard many people say in my pastoral ministry, I know it's wrong, but God will forgive me. I know it's wrong. In other words, what you're about to do or what you are doing, I know it's wrong, but God will forgive me. It's the same kind of foolish thinking that Rasputin espoused. You're looking to take advantage of the grace of God to live in an unrighteous way. Now, Here's what the writer to the Hebrews tells us, and I want you to, I'm going to help you stay awake. I want you to say it with me. Say it loud. You ready? Here we go. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. That's a heavy verse, but it's truth. What he's saying is, if you're not willing to repent, And by the way, that is the message of the forerunner before Jesus Christ came. His name is John. We call him John the Baptist because he baptized people and he preached a baptism unto repentance. Repentance just means to turn. We all like sheep have gone astray for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in order to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, you have to first repent. John the Baptist preached a message simply of repentance. But then if you look at the Gospels, when John's ministry was complete and Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, guess what Jesus preached? Here's what the Gospels tell us. Jesus preached the exact same message that John preached. Repent. And so what this verse is telling us, if you ignore what you need to do in order to be saved, 
You got to repent and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And Christ is your only hope. There is no other way. You're not going to make it trying to be good. Ten Commandments, you, you, you can't keep them. So your only hope is Jesus. He's the only Savior. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It's Jesus or nothing. And so if you miss Jesus, if you miss his sacrifice for your sin, there's no other place to turn. There's no other sacrifice for sins. You can't be good enough. You can't live up to it. Nobody else can pray you in there. No, you have to repent and you have to receive Jesus. So foolish thinking to say, I know it's wrong, but God will forgive me. Now, John writes, and say this one with me too. Here we go. You ready? No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Now, don't misunderstand this verse. If you read 1 John, the whole, the context, he starts out in chapter 1. He says, if we say we have no sin, we make God out to be a liar and the truth is not in us. This verse is not saying once you become a Christian, you don't sin anymore. No, but because God's seed is in you. What, what does that mean? When you repent, you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. God does a miracle. It's a real miracle. You are born again. Uh, the word literally means born from above. You're born from above. God now sends his Holy Spirit, and he sends his Holy Spirit. He changes your heart. He changes your heart. And now the Holy Spirit lives in you. And because your heart has changed, now you desire to live a righteous life. You want to live in a way that's pleasing to God. That's what that means. So you won't live a life of habitual, willful sin. Now what I have to say at this point, I don't want you to get discouraged or be fearful. That's the introduction. My son dealt with the first half of Romans 6, now the second half. Verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you're slaves of the one you obey, whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? Thanks be to God. That though you used to be slaves to sin, you've come to obey from your heart. Your heart has been changed. The pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life, especially in the Roman world, because they understood slavery. Because of your human limitations. In other words, I'm giving you a human illustration so you'll get it. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. All holiness means is you're set apart for God, His purposes. You're living life for Him. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit, good question, did you reap at that time from the things you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. They said it was coming. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, 
the benefit you reap leads to, here it says it again, holiness. You're living for God. You're committed to Christ. And the result is eternal life. And he concludes with this now famous Christian verse, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Secretarial staff every week, I've shared this with you before, they want to know the title and the text for my teaching. And sometimes it's hard to come up with a title. But, but I gave them a title, and the title was Sin, Righteousness, and Eternal Life. Sin, Righteousness, and Eternal Life. And that's what the text deals with. But on the way here last night for the 6 o'clock Saturday service, it was raining. Traffic was extra heavy. It was slow. And so uh, at the stoplight, my wife was with me. She bears witness. I didn't do it, except we were at the stoplight in thick traffic, I pulled out my notes and I grabbed a pen and I wrote a new title. I wrote a new title because it better explains what God's trying to tell us in these few verses. And here it is. Rationale for righteous living. Rationale for righteous living. Rationale is a logical basis for a course of action or a particular belief. Now, let me give you again what we just read. Sin results in death. That's what God's telling us here. But he's not talking about physical death. That's the ultimate consequence, or at least the consequence in this life. We're going to die because there's sin that dwells in the members of our body. We're going to die. The ultimate consequence, at the final judgment, the book of Revelation says, if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, if you've never received Christ as Lord and Savior, you're cast then into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Second death. But sin results in death. And we're not talking about just physical death, and we're not just talking about the lake of fire. How do I know that? 1 Timothy 5, verse 6, the Apostle Paul is writing practical words to the church about widows, widows in the church. And he mentions some widows who made a commitment to Christ, but then sometime later left their commitment to Christ and began to live for themselves, he says they began to live for pleasure. Doesn't tell us what it is that, that led them astray, but probably a guy. Some of the widows were not even older widows. They were younger widows. And, you know, at first they're committed to Christ, and all of a sudden they meet some guy, and he pulls them away from their commitment to Christ. I've seen it happen to all kinds of people, not just widows. Just people. And it's interesting, he says, the woman, the widow, that now has left her commitment to Christ and is living for pleasure is dead, even while she lives. That's very interesting. Dead. Most of us know the story of what we call the prodigal son. It's recorded in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. The short summary is, father, one of his sons, wants his inheritance early. And his father gives it to him, and he leaves home with a thick wallet, and he begins to just live, party lifestyle. We don't know how long it went on, but he spent all he had, partying hardy. And he ends up with nothing, and he ends up in a pig pen. 
And there in the pig pen, it says he came to his senses. And he started thinking, my father's servants back home have it better than me in this pig pen. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home. I'm going home. And I'm going to say to my father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not worthy to be one of your sons. Make me like one of your servants. That'll be better off than where I am. And if you know the story, the father's been looking for him every day. And all of a sudden, that day, you know, he sees him afar off. And the son comes, and before the son can say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, the father says to the servants, kill the fatted calf. Get the table ready. Let's have a party. Because my son, he was lost, and he's found. He was dead. And he's alive again. He's alive because he got right with God. He came home. When he was out there living like he wanted to live, living for the world, living in the world, I know what it's like. He was dead. Ephesians 2 kind of sums it up, verses 1 and following. As for you, and this is all of us, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions, in your sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. Sin results in death. And sin causes me to forfeit God's intended blessings for my life. I'm a blessed man. I say that as humbly as I can say it. I, I'm a blessed man. But there were periods in my life where I was headed in the wrong direction. There was periods in my pastoral ministry, as most of you know, I was headed in the wrong direction. Thank God. Thank God I repented. I repented. I had, man, a few years ago I had revival. I'm still living that revival. I'm still living it. I'm planning on living it until I see Jesus. Sin's so deceitful. It's so, it's, it's so deceitful. That's enough time on the negative. Let's flip the coin. Righteousness. Righteous, righteousness is just doing what's right. It's just doing what's right. It leads to holiness. You can't live a holy life until you make a right decision. Until you decide to stop doing what you know is wrong. You can't be holy. You can't live dedicated to God. You can come to church. You can even fool people. You say, hey, good to see you, brother. Good to see you, sister. You can even say, praise the Lord. But, but if there's something in your life that you know, you know, we're not talking about things you don't. We're talking about you know it's wrong. You know. You know. Righteousness leads to holiness, and you can't be holy until you make that right decision. We live in a culture it, everywhere, and it's getting worse. And I, it's just obvious it's getting worse. We live in a sexually permissive, immoral culture, and it's affected the church. It's affected the church. It's a common thing in, in, in my pastoral ministry to have people that come to church regularly that are living together and they're not biblically husband and wife. It's just a common thing. It's just a part of our culture. This lady right here, she's pointing to herself. You don't mind me saying, Pat. Pat came to our church years, for years. She'd stand on the front row, and she'd lift her hands. She'd praise the Lord, and she's living with her boyfriend. And not anymore, but she repented. She repented. Somehow she convinced a guy to marry her. And now you did the right thing. He got a good one when he got you. But she was coming for years. Not anymore. Isn't it a great feeling now when I preach on it? You say, praise the Lord, I don't have to deal with that anymore. 
That loggerhead ought to be here too, you know. I tell him I said that. Righteousness leads to holiness. Now, now listen. <laughs> holiness results in eternal life. But you got to understand what he's talking about there. In the same way that the death that sin causes is more than just physical death. We're talking spiritually here. Prodigal, dead. Widow, living for pleasure, dead. Us, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. He's talking spiritually. Just as sin results in death, you lose the blessing God wants to give you. You forfeit. What God's wanting to do for someone, he can't do it because they won't get right. But when you make that right decision, righteousness leads to holiness, and now holiness results in eternal life. What's eternal life? Come on, come on, you're still awake. Say this. This is Jesus' words. Ready? Here we go. I have come that they may have life and more abundantly. God's not trying to trick us. Satan's trying to trick us, and then we trick ourselves. Je Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitfully wicked. We believe the lie. We believe that's the right thing to do because it gives us pleasure, because it's what we want to do, but it's outside of God's will. It's the wrong direction. And Jesus is saying, look, I have come not to trick you. I've come to give you the life that God intended you to have. That's what he wants to do, the life God intended us to have. That's what he wants to give us. God gives a, a definition of eternal life. And it includes other things, but here's the definition. Say this one with me. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life. A right relationship with God. Having repented and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And now, now, your connection with him, eternal life, quality of life. You know that you can be in a, a very difficult situation. You can even be suffering, uh, and yet you can experience eternal life. What does that look like? The Apostle Paul said, I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. You can, in the midst of a situation in life that is unbearable, humanly speaking, you can have, if you have that connection with Jesus, peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't make sense to anybody else. It doesn't even make sense to you. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. You can be filled with, humanly speaking, pain and yet overflow with joy by the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. Why? How can that happen? You have eternal life. It's a wonderful thing. As I think about the characters in the Bible, pretty much every character in the Bible, there's a few that don't have any negative print. That doesn't mean they're sinless. There's only one sinless, and that's Jesus. From Adam and Eve to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Samson, all these great figures in the Bible, all these characters. You know what you find when you study their lives? Their lives were a series 
of revivals. Started to get off track. Some got off track big time. And then they made a decision to get back on track. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. You're welcome to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Danny by going to our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We also encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest messages and videos from Calvary Chapel Fellowship, the church behind this ministry. If you're ever in or near the St. Petersburg area, we would love to meet you in person. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. But if you're unable to visit us in person, no worries. We also offer live stream services. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. As Pastor Danny continues this series in the Book of Romans, our prayer is that you're finding a newfound appreciation for who Jesus is and how your life should reflect Him. Throughout the book of Romans, we read about the faith that Paul had in Jesus and how he didn't back down from his beliefs. Likewise, we encourage you to stand firm in your faith. The goal of this ministry is teaching the Word and reaching the world. We trust that the living Word is speaking to many and pray that lives would be changed. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Tune in next time to hear Pastor Danny continue to teach through the book of Romans right here on The Living Word.